Welcome to Beyond the Pink Cloud, the podcast where we talk about moving forward in our lives through recovery and navigating the world with grace, ease, and humor. We've got tools and strategies from the experts to help you live with less stress and increased ease. Let's get into today's episode. so much for joining me for another episode of Beyond the Pink Cloud. So Fridays, that's our day, the new release day for the podcast. After some finagling and wiggling around, I realized that's going to be the easiest for me to remain consistent. So mark your Fridays, everyone. You can put a star on the calendar, new podcast day. And this episode is with Cree Cox. She is someone that I met through my women's mastermind group. And I was so happy when I found out what she did, because as many of you know, I've been rather obsessed with trying to find out more information on the topic of understanding our infradian rhythms and understanding the hormonal fluctuations within our 28, 28 day cycle for women so that we can harness the power and know when the the best times of the of the month are to do presentations to have more of a active lifestyle versus when do we really need to go in and and be calmer and quiet and care for ourselves there is so much power in the knowledge and the understanding of what's happening in our own bodies so cree is an expert in this she calls herself a menstrual maven which i love and it's a wonderful episode full of really heartfelt information. And it's a lovely combination of some really good hormonal information, as well as very rooted and grounded in earth centric philosophy, which is very appealing. So you're going to love it. If you're a woman, if you know a woman, if you love a woman, this episode is for you. Enjoy it. And I'll keep it short today. Everything's great. You know, considering <laughs> it's, I listened to this episode of a uh, being well, Rick Hansen's podcast yesterday, talking about contentment. And I loved so much of what he had to say. We can really practice this sense of deep inner contentment, which is something I talk about a lot in the work that I do is really, we can generate that even in the midst of everything that's going on externally. And even while we're angry or we're pissed off. We can still have this sense of deep inner contentment and that can be our guiding force. And since listening to that yesterday, I've, I've started asking myself when I am in frustrated moments, you know, can I be content through this or even just checking in to say, to notice like, Hey, where's that inner realm of contentment? Is that also present in me? And I know that it is because, because it is. But, but bringing the focus and the attention on it is a nifty practice, particularly in moments of frustration. And so building our capacity, our resilience, and our inner contentment is, it's just, I think, the most important work we can be doing. So as always, I am I'm happy to share some of that with you through the podcast and, and other channels. So thank you again for listening. Please enjoy the episode with Cree today, and if you can, tell a friend, uh, leave a review even. That's always really great. Like and subscribe. We've got more exciting guests coming up soon, and enjoy this one. Really great episode. Thanks so much for being here and for sharing in some of my contentment, and I hope that I can contribute to some of yours. Hi, and thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Beyond the Pink Cloud. This is your host, Dr. Alice Kirby, and I have with me today, Ms. Cree Cox. Cree is a spiritual guide and menstrual maven who is leading a sacred rebellion of a menstrual revolution. She's on a mission to normalize the conversation around not just menstruation, but the menstrual cycle as a whole. Through one-on-one coaching and her group program, Embody Your Flow, Cree inspires women to connect with the intelligent wisdom of their bodies and their wombs by teaching them to live life in sync with their natural rhythm and flow. And I think many of you know how excited I am to be able to present to be able to present and speak with an expert on these topics because I've been babbling on about it in some way or another for months, just reading the little bits that I can find here and there. So it's wonderful to have an expert. And thank you so much for being here, Cree. Yeah, thanks for having me on. 
You're welcome. So can you start by just telling us a little bit about your own story and your own background and what brought you to this work? Yeah, so it's just been like an evolutionary journey and I'll try and keep the story side of it condensed down. Um, it, in a lot of ways, feels like a, a spirit path of sorts. I, When I was young, I never thought that I was going to dive into the realms of menstruation like I have. It's just been this like natural evolution that's happened, um, which ultimately I think what really kicked it off was <clears throat> I became vegetarian when I was like 18 or 19 years old. And that I just, I had grown up on a standard American diet and that switch just started to open my eyes in a whole new way. And I started becoming a lot more aware of what I was putting into my body, on my body that really just kind of kicked me off on the health path. And I started going to natural food stores. And um, when I, I realized I needed to get tampons because I had started my period and I didn't have any. And so I went to the selection that they had there and they only had um because I had made the switch to organic cotton and um they only had tampons without an applicator and I was like okay well I'll this try is my it. option here so I guess I'm gonna try this and it was actually really beautiful there was something that happened when I actually inserted the tampon myself without some plastic or cardboard barrier between me and my body and just had that like it, there was like something that clicked there was like having this connection with my body um, and it wasn't like necessarily a conscious awareness, but it was a very body-based awareness of like, oh, oh, this is my body. Like, why have I always used this thing in between me and my own body and like having this weird energy around like touching myself and, and, you know, kind of working through some of the social stigma and taboo around like even talking about that and whatnot. And then it just continued to evolve from there. Um, I then learned about menstrual cups and that brought in another depth of connection when I actually started touching my blood with using the cup and seeing it and not just like pulling the tampon out and flushing it and then got introduced to the ideas of uh, it being high in nutrient profile. And so using it to water plants and connecting with it that way and then using it a little more like ceremonially to give back to the earth with intention. Uh, and then from there, I met this woman, Juliana Serena in Salt Lake, who was like all about cycles, all about the menstrual cycle. She created these little moon time, time pieces, which is when I first started tracking my cycle via a little bracelet that I had that has markers for the day of the month, the moon phase, uh, and my own personal like start date of my cycle. So I started using that and just getting into dialogue with her, like meeting her. I was just so fascinated with all of this stuff. And when I started using that timepiece tracker, it was just this gemstone bracelet. And every day I just moved the little piece. And um, when I got within like two or three days of my next period, I was like, oh, well, based on this, like I'm two or three days out from when I started my period. So probably anywhere from the next you know, couple of few days, I'm going to start my period. And sure enough, I did. And that was one of the first moments where I was like, oh, there's a predictability to this. It's not mm -hmm. just this thing that happens or comes whenever. And I had heard before that there was, but it was, again, that embodied experience and that actually witnessing it. And then I noticed cycle after cycle of using that, that there was a predictability and like these things that would come up just before bleeding. I started to realize like, oh, this is affected by hormones. These are things that are letting me know I'm about to start my period instead of wondering like, what's wrong with me? It was just <laughs> like I started to kind of settle into that. And then from there did um, this inner maiden retreat with this woman, Diana Lam, who I then mentored with a couple of years ago. And she's phenomenal. She's been working with women in menstruation for the past like 30 years. And she's doing a lot of work around menopause too. Um, dove into literature and just was really fascinated and especially with the spiritual side of it um, how it can be used as this really beautiful navigational tool in our lives and then um, for the past four and a half years I've been doing very intentional deep dive at what I call moon time retreats of actually like sitting with menstruation I work for myself and so I don't schedule any appointments and really I like hang out in my room for two or three days and a lot of what I learned came from books and then also just like the embodied experience of it like my menstrual cycle itself has been one of the greatest teachers in um, the evolution and then from there started doing one-on-one -on -one. embody your flow first was a one-on-one -on -one thing and then I was like oh I'm sharing the same information over and over and over again. 
this is much better as a group program. Um, also did like a four month cycle tracking course just to dive deeper and to be able to help women actually understand how to chart and the information that's coming through and all of those different things. That's so, it's so wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. I love hearing about the, the various pieces of like the embodiment along your journey and how it was, yes, you have learned experience and you've, you've trained and read, but also these like really pivotal moments of embodiment around your cycle and around around the, um, the regularity of it. And like, I love that you were tracking with a little bracelet too, with the gemstone, something about mm -hmm. that feels so like rooted to me and organic and, and like of the body, um, just to have something that simple. <sighs> so thank you for sharing a little bit about your own pathway that brought you here. And it's wonderful. You're spreading this work with women and the groups that you're doing, because it's, I feel like it's information that we desperately need and is so both educational and empowering for us. And, and it's not really that prevalent. Like we don't really ever learn about this in school, especially at a young age when we're first starting our cycles. I think it's, there's a lot of like more shame based around it. And I certainly mm -hmm. think that's changed since, you know, I was 14, but um, I think it's wonderful that there's work like this in the world and people like you are spreading it. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. I can talk about it all the time and I just love sharing it. And, and again, it's just to help normalize it because it's one of the most normal and natural things. It's mm. what is responsible for all of us being here. It's this creative life force energy and it's become so taboo and there's a lot of shame and like, hush, hush, you don't talk about it. It's gross. And um, I just really want to normalize it for everyone because it's such a beautiful thing. Yeah. I, I think we should I mean, it's crazy that it's not normalized, honestly, because it's the most natural thing in the world. But it's, I remember having this conversation with a roommate of, of mine like years ago and she was on her period and she had a heavy flow and she's like, God, I have this meeting all day. And it's so crazy that God forbid I like bleed through. And, and then it has to be this weird, shameful thing of me tying my jacket and slinking out of the room. And uh, it's like, even then she was so frustrated with the fact that it's, it's, Sh like shameful or shame-based or shame-based language around it mm -hmm. um, when it really is something that all of us uh, who are women go through. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the, like the actual phases of the menstrual cycle? Yeah. So there's four different phases of the menstrual cycle. Um, each is associated with an inner season. Um, so just like a real quick overview of all of them. There's the menstrual phase, which is during the time of bleeding, and that is associated with the inner winter. Then the spring is the follicular phase, and that's associated with, or I guess spring, <laughs> I just said that, but <laughs> follicular is the inner spring, and that's when you start to um, come out of that menstrual energy, and your energy is starting to move up and out during menstruation. Um, generally speaking, it's the most introverted time of a woman's cycle, and she's most connected to her deeper internal reserves. In the book, The Wild Power, they call it the inner temple of menstruation. And to me, it really brings in that element of honoring it as a sacred space. Like we're deep in our internal realms, and a lot of the, the world uh, pulls on us and pulls us out of that because we have meetings, we have kids, we have places to go, things to do, and we don't really take the necessary pause and reset to, to slow down during that time. Um, so that's like the, the winter and, and looking at the winter of uh, the seasons as well. It's like, well, if you live somewhere where there's snow, generally you want to stay inside and stay cozy and be warm and drink tea and read by the fire. Um, so it's just kind of like mirroring what's going on internally in our bodies to what's going on externally with the earth. So from the menstrual phase, you then go into the follicular phase, which is the inner spring. And, you know, you look at what's going on in the earth during springtime and the trees are starting to blossom. Flowers are bursting up. Everything is growing. There's this resurgence of life coming to the surface. And so as women, our energy is drawing up and out of us, and this is influenced by the rise of estrogen and testosterone. So everything that we experience, it's very hormonally based. Um, estrogen is one of the key players in the pre-ovulatory phase or the menstrual and follicular phase of the cycle. And then from the springtime, it then goes into the ovulatory phase, which is the inner summer. 
And one thing with the ovulatory phase is that um, you're not ovulating the whole time. Ovulation itself is a very short event. It's 12 to 24 hours of when the egg is actually released and is alive and viable. Um, but the energy building up to it and the surge of estrogen building up to it is what has you in the energetic influence of the ovulatory phase. Um, and that's the summary energy. And so like, it's also the most extroverted point of one cycle. And so oftentimes women will find that they're not so connected to their internal realms and what's going on. And it can kind of be like, oh, life is fine. Life is great. You just feel like a lot more confident generally. Um, there's a natural ease and just this like openness and this receptivity to all of life. And that's what's happening in the body too during the ovulatory phases. The body is preparing to receive an, a sperm for potential implantation. The whole menstrual cycle itself actually revolves around ovulation. That's the whole reason that we even bleed and that this even happens is for this little like 12 to 24 hour event to potentially procreate. Um, or to create all sorts of other things if actual physical life isn't being created. And then from the inner summer or the ovulatory phase, it then goes into the luteal phase, which is the inner fall. The luteal phase is the longest phase of the cycle. It can kind of be broken into two different phases, um, maybe even three, because there can be this late summer energy that kind of bleeds into fall. But then like as you get like a week or so out from bleeding, like you can really drop more into that fall energy, which again, you look at what's going on in nature during fall. All of the leaves are dropping, all the nutrients are leaving the plants, things are dropping off and dying and decomposing. It's releasing what it no longer needs from the previous seasons and all of the energy is going down to the roots. So we're preparing to go into that most internal state of our cycle again. Um, and there's a couple things I always like to highlight during this, um, these transitory phases within this is between ovulation and luteal, like after the egg is dead, all of the hormones drop well not all but like estrogen and testosterone significantly drop and almost to as low as they go just before we start bleeding as well and progesterone starts to kick in and build and that kind of builds reaches its crux and then slowly fades out as we get closer to bleeding and so this drop it can feel really dramatic sometimes and i I call it ovulation come down because you can go from one day, even middle of the day, depending on when the egg actually dies and the estrogen drops to feeling super confident and enlivened and like superwoman and like just filled with passion and excitement and working on projects and having the energy to do it. And then the next day it can totally switch where it's like, I sometimes just feel like I don't want to do anything like I was so excited and I had such this momentum and flow yesterday and I like pull out my computer to try and work and it's just like what am I even doing like like I just don't even care about anything and it's because of that estrogen drop and it's so dramatic but it always rises it will rise it never gets as high as it does in luteal as it does during ovulation but it rises again and then you kind of like slowly have it pitter out as as estrogen drops progesterone drops um, and all hormones kind of reach their lowest point just before we start our next period. Thank you for the overview. I like that you, I like that you both talk about the hormones and what and what's happening hormonally, as well as paint this beautiful cyclical picture as it corresponds to nature, because I think both are equally as important um, to understand. And I like too that you pointed out how that drop can feel really sudden, and I. I think what's common in the vernacular is just there's, you know, when we talk about menstruation or the menstrual cycle, there's like either we're bleeding or we have PMS and be like, both are kind of bad, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. I think in the common vernacular, or at least like that's sort of what I grew up with. And again, I'm glad this is changing and I'm really glad that we're talking about it. But to know, I think when we begin to understand and to know like this is actually what's happening is we're, we're having a drop in hormones and that's why our energy feels depleted or we're not as motivated or we don't feel things don't feel quite as easy. And it's again, like you mentioned earlier, it's not that there's anything like wrong with us. It's that we had a significant drop in, in hormonal levels. So I think just even pointing that out and having that piece of information is really, is really important for people as they begin to try and like track cycles. And that's where I'd like to go next is I have kind of a two or maybe even a three-part question, but when we talk about 
tracking our cycles and learning how to work within and, and really to, to look at everything that happens within our cycle to begin knowing when these phases are for us and then to actually plan our, our lives in accordance with them. So like maybe I'm not going to schedule big meetings or big presentations when I'm getting ready to bleed or when I'm first coming out of it or I'm, when I'm in a late luteal phase. Like I want to schedule those maybe in more of an ovulatory phase. So I'm curious what are ways that you found personally or that you work with your clients in helping to like sort of strategically plan the month, both for, you know, work, business, family, as well as to be able to really internally support yourself through all the phases of the cycle. Yeah, I, this to me is where it starts to get really fun. Um, and part of it is for one, me working for myself, it's a lot easier for me to honor the different phases that I'm in. And because I have just such an awareness and understanding, like I have almost, because I've been tracking very intentionally and intimately for so long, I can almost predict what each day is going to be like, but I'm Mm. still presently in the experience of like, okay, well, what is day 10 like this cycle? And there's a pretty common theme to each day of my cycle. So for one, just speaking to that, I know for a lot of women, the menstrual cycle can seem unpredictable, but really there is a predictability within it. And then another thing I want to highlight is something that a lot of women, when they start to come to this awareness of cycle tracking and the different phases, there then becomes this challenge of how do I be a cyclical being in a linear world? Because the Monday through Friday, nine to five, kind of linear, here's your Sunday to Saturday sort of schedule doesn't necessarily always fit within the cyclical flow and rhythm of the menstrual cycle, but there are ways to work with it as well. So for one with the cycle in general, I always view it as an invitation for presence. It's inviting us into the present moment, into our bodies of what am I feeling and noticing not right now, not what should I be doing, what expectations do I have on myself, but what am I noticing in my body right now? What is my body speaking to me? Because as women, we're governed by hormones, which isn't necessarily a negative thing once you learn to understand it. And that's where big changes can happen is once you understand what's going on. So, um, I know apps are pretty common and popular these days. I'm personally not a huge fan of them. I really like doing things by hand. So part of that is why I'm not a big fan of them. They can be great, especially for women who are like really into technology. They're already on their phones. It easily integrates to something that they're interfacing with already. That can be great and it works for some women. However, there's still this element of disconnect where it's like, well, this app is telling me I'm here and it can create confusion sometimes because it's, then you tune into your body and it's like, well, this app is saying one thing, but I'm actually feeling this other thing. Is is this wrong? So I like to, at first, once when you're getting an understanding of your own rhythm to have it be done by hand and a really easy way to do this is Starting with day one of your cycle, especially if you're not tracking at all and you don't know where you're at, just wait until day one, which day one is when your bleed is full on. If you have a couple days of spotting, whether it be pinkish or light brown or something prior to the first day of full flow, um, that can be a sign of progesterone imbalance, some other hormonal imbalance or old stagnant blood that is needing to come out of the uterus prior to the actual flow. So when you're full is flow on, full on and you need to use like tampon pad or there's like a consistency to it, that is day one. And just start to make a little note. So it's just like you just do like a little entry, like a snippet capturing the general feel of your day, your general emotion state. If you have any cravings, um, like a day one thing for me usually is something along the lines of like, I'm deep in the energy of surrender. I don't want to do anything or go anywhere. Like I just want to lay around and do nothing. That's like the snippet of my day one. Whereas a snippet of a spring or ovulation is just kind of like this. It's like, wow, I feel so expansive and alive and turned on and life is so beautiful and magical. And I want to do all the things all the time. Um, 
and and it can be longer too especially as you're getting into it but it's a it's an intentional practice that's very simple to do of making time for yourself every day to be like oh okay end of the day i'm going to check in and i'm going to write down what just a little snippet of my energy and my emotional state today um and part of that can be also writing down what phase you think you're in but always writing down the day and the date and then what phase you think you might be in until you get more and more of a feel for what phase you're actually in. I love it. I'm taking notes. Awesome. Um, Cause I've tried to track a couple of times. I think I mentioned, I got really into, I was listening to Elisa uh, Vitti for a while who talks about um, these things and I was listening to her book and it was almost too complicated though. There was all these charts and then the app. And, and I also read, um, I think in consumer reports that some of the apps, if you input this information, it can potentially also be used against you when trying to get different types of healthcare in the future. And I, I don't know a, how that's legal, but it was a pretty big article I read around that time when I was doing a lot of research. So just to educate the listeners, you may also want to look into that a little bit more yourselves. If you're thinking about trying one of the apps, just make sure, and it wasn't all of them, but there were, I think a solid five on this list. Um, so maybe just do a little digging there, just a PSA. Um, yeah, and I, that's wise. Cause they'll, they'll also um, sell your information and data to advertising agencies. So it, it kind of, to me, that feels a little bit invasive. And also Very. there's just something about the actual writing, like your hand and pen on paper that creates more of a connection than like typing something in a screen on a phone. And I'm a big fan of like, we're in front of computers and screens so much these days that the less we have to do on them, the better, but also personal preference and what works. Sure, sure. I think like anything, it's the thing that you're actually gonna do is probably mm -hmm. the, the best one to do. And I, I love, I love this whole tracking idea and just getting to know your cycle more because it's so, it feels so empowering to me to be able to understand like what my body is going through throughout the different phases and not just be caught off guard and not feel like, okay, there is something wrong or why am I so amazing today? And then this day I'm not. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, I just, I love the I don't know. I love bringing the education into it and learning like for me personally and for the listeners to be able to like, to be empowered over your own body and your own cycle. It's, it's not a curse. It's like an amazing gift that we have, that we do have this regularity within our cycles and we can understand what happens at these different hormonal phases. Yeah. And the more that we understand something, the more that we can work with it. And so for me, uh, and this is something that I think is really important to know is like, having an understanding of the hormonal influences and what's going on and knowing that there's an ovulation come down and that there's deep luteal where you're just like, you know, can be really deep in all of your insecurities, all of your fears, all of these different things that can come up because the inner critic comes out during the luteal phase. Um, it's, it doesn't change that. It's not like I can override the fact that my estrogen drops and I go into ovulation come down. Like I can't keep the energy going, but what it does do is I know, okay, like this is the last day of my ovulation. Next couple of days is probably gonna be the come down. So for one, I don't schedule things during that time. Or if I do have things scheduled, I'm gentle with myself. I let myself be where I am instead of wondering what's wrong with me. Like I was just this way yesterday and now I'm not. I know exactly why I'm feeling the way that I do. And it's just like a storm rolling through. Like, okay, I'm gonna put on my rain jacket or I'm gonna stay inside and stay cozy, wait out this two day storm. And then when the sun comes out again and the energy starts to build, then I'll start doing other things. Yeah. And it sounds so, it just makes so much sense, you know, but it, I think it is really overridden a lot by our, our, we're driven, I think more on this 24 hour clock, um, within the nine to five. And it definitely doesn't always fit in to be able to just take a few days off, maybe midweek, because that's when we're in a phase of really needing that deep rest. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm curious if you found ways with nutrition, if there's like different foods or types of foods that you use to support yourself or that you recommend to your clients to support themselves. And I know nutrition is very individual, but just as generally speaking throughout the different phases of the cycle. 
Yeah, so this is something for me personally, I don't necessarily shop based on foods that are helpful for different phases in the cycle. I have other women in my life who do. Um, one great thing with the book, The Woman Code with Elisa Beauty, who you mentioned, she has a chart in there about different foods that are best for different phases in the cycle. For me, I just like to really take a, a simple and holistic perspective to nutrition in general. So for years, um, I've been really into uh, seasonal eating. So shopping more primarily at the farmer's market and knowing that what's in season is what's growing and it's probably what my body needs at that time. So supporting my body more holistically than necessarily within the phases themselves brings an overall hormonal balance. And then also with that, if you are experiencing more horm hormonal balance, then eating specific foods for that cycle can be really helpful, which um, I don't really know specifically what those are. That's where something like Alicia, uh, Lisa Vitti's book would be helpful for that if you're really working to write hormonal balance. But I feel like the Western mind really likes to isolate and compartmentalize and I'm experiencing this thing, so I need to do this thing to support it where when we take more of a holistic perspective of health in general, when the body has what it needs, it's going to come into a state of balance and homeostasis. And so a big part of that is like drinking good, clean quality water, either spring water or filtered water, making sure that you're getting plenty of trace minerals, magnesium, calcium in a form that's absorbable via the body, a lot of whole foods. Um, eating as organically as possible, locally sourced as possible, just getting foods that are really nutrient dense, um, cutting out sugars and gluten and refined grains. Those are all things that I've found make PMS symptoms worse and also make cramping worse and all sorts of different things. Um, and also clearing out any major chemicals in body products or household products, cleaning products, all of those things that are used are filled with so many xenoestrogens and so many chemicals that are endocrine disruptors that our systems are almost constantly under attack. And so minimizing those in ingesting them and putting them on our own bodies as much as possible helps support the body in maintaining an overall balance. I agree wholeheartedly with, with uh, pretty much everything that you just said. And I think is, I like that you touched on too, drinking good water, because I feel like that's becoming something more, at least here, I'm in San Diego. And for a long time, we were just using like a pure water filter. And both my partner and I were kind of like, this is gross. We need better water. And then finally we both realized we never felt hydrated. It was like always this constant sense of dehydration. And, you know, we eat organic, we shop locally, we, we do all the things to try to support ourselves. Um, but we finally, like just a few months ago, had enough with the water and started just doing like getting the five gallon jug and refilling the filtered water. Um, and it's made such a difference just as like in terms of how hydrated I feel. Um, yeah. So I think that is really, really important. Like if you are just using a Brita filter or a pure filter or something like that, and it's not, you're not feeling hydrated, really take a look at your water sources here. Our water is not very good in this city. Some cities are better. Um, and then also the point about like gluten and sugars, and I think just general inflammation, any kind of those inflammatory producing foods are, are going to make PMS worse. Um, and I think also just speaking, because I know some of the listeners also work with um, like syndromal patterns, fibromyalgia and, and things like this, and even things like lupus, where if we can decrease the amount of like inflammatories, it's kind of off topic, but I'm just going to prattle on for a minute. If we can decrease the amount of inflammatory uh, foods that we're eating, it makes such a difference systemically, um, as well as really helping with PMS. And I'm curious too, when you went to a vegetarian diet, if you noticed, it sounds like that, that really opened some doors for you, but if you noticed, I don't know if you, how your PMS was before, but if you noticed a difference in actual PMS symptoms, just from cutting out the, the meat. Yeah. You know, I can't say at that time I was paying enough attention, um, especially in the way that I am now to what was going on. 
I'm not currently vegetarian. That lasted about a year and a half for me. And then um, via muscle testing and other things, it just became clear, like my, my body was in a weakened state. I do better with little bits of meat, but I'm very particular again about the quality of the meat. Is it grass fed? What's the source? What is it eating? What's it coming from? Where is it coming from? Um, so I can't say necessarily at that time that I noticed a difference or not, but now um, I've been eating really clean for over a decade. Um, and of course, with some indulgences here and there, I think it's important to allow ourselves some indulgences. And I really love the idea of consciously in indulging because mm -hmm. the energy of intaking something that we maybe like, quote unquote, think we shouldn't be eating. If we're like, oh, I shouldn't be eating this. It's going to make me fat or it's going to make me sick or whatever it is. Like we're consuming that as well. So like when I indulge in something that's sugary or sweet or that's glutinous that I'm like, well, I probably shouldn't have this. And, you know, I get inflammation after, <laughs> but I'm like, I really want this thing. I'm going to consciously indulge in this brownie right now. And I'm going to thoroughly enjoy every bite of it. Um, but that's a little tangent, but with, with um, things being in balance for me now, I really don't get a lot of PMS symptoms. So an, another great book, it's The Fifth Vital Sign. Hmm. It's by Lisa Hendrickson Jack. And she, in that book, talks about how our menstrual cycle as women, it's one of the vital signs that should really be looked at and monitored for overall health. And in her book, Dr. Christiane Northrup talks about this, that PMS, although it's very normal it's not natural it's actually signs of imbalance within the body that are present and going on and it's our body speaking to us um, one thing i really want to message i want to get across is that um, pain during the menstrual cycle as well even though it's very normal and common it's also not natural we're not meant to suffer. We're not meant to be in pain. We're not meant to have like only one or two good weeks out of a cycle and then have horrible PMS. And all of these things are messages from our body letting us know, hey, something's out of balance here. There's something that you need to look at. Um, and a, a way to reframe the, the PMS um, on more of the emotional side of things that can happen, that can come up is, um, Elisa Beauty talks about this, is prioritize myself. This is a time that I need to not be putting so much energy out to my job and to my family and to my partner and to all of these things outside of me. My energy is starting to draw down and in. My hormones are starting to drop. I just don't have the reserves that I do. And this is more in the luteal phase as I did in, in the follicular and ovulatory phase. So how can I prioritize myself? How can I slow down? How can I shift gears? How can I communicate my need for space or my communicate my need for more help around the house or whatever it is it's a time to really draw that energy inward instead of having it be so externally focused and then also something i want to draw awareness to is like so women's bodies are a microcosm of the macrocosm of the greater earth body and when we start to clean up our diet and consume what is good for us it's also what's good for the earth it's things that are good for the soil and for the water and for the air and women's bodies are like canaries in the bird mine. And why we have such vast menstrual problems is because we're very out of integrity with our environment and with what is good for the earth. Because there's just so many pollutants and so many toxins in our world today. And, and women's bodies are showing that. Yeah, beautifully, beautifully articulated. Um, I, I spoke with I spoke with a, a man, Bruce, Bruce Perry, who was on this show tribe. Um, I spoke with him a few months ago, really neat guy. And he's gone and lived with different tribes all over the world. Um, and with indigenous people. And one of the big things that he talks about is this one tribe he lived with the, the Panan people. I think they're in New Guinea where they, there was no separation between like them and what they would do or what they would take in and how it would affect the earth. And he said, this is one of the few tribes where he'd actually seen this, where they just really lived in this harmonious, um, egalitarian way with each other and with the earth, where like, why would they go and, you know, cut down this tree over here if that's going to like lead to, I don't know, it's going to crash over and then lead to massive, um, you know, mud runoff into the river that's then going to pollute the fish. It was like this cyclical and connectivity was so present in this people. And it was 
it was really neat even when I was just interviewing him and talking with him about it because it's almost like I could feel in that resonant space like some of that egalitarian living um, and so I love that you brought that up and I love that you brought up that that women's bodies really are uh, the the microcosm and we, we have such wonderful I mean human bodies in general we have such a, a wonderful barometer to tell us like how we're feeling and what's happening and is, you know if we can really be aware and present with what's happening it's like we have a lot of information and I think taking this taking our cycles into into account and like really deepening the awareness there it's just like one more way to to have to know what's happening like both in ourselves and in the greater world so i love that you said all of those things yeah it's like coming into right relationship and um, finding a connection to purpose and place and mm. they like what you shared about the tribe because we can orient to that in our own bodies and start to look at things along the lines of what we're consuming and taking in like well why would i continue to eat this thing if it's going to um, continue to essentially like poison my own bloodstream in my body and then lead to a whole slew of complications that I then have to mitigate and try and work with. And um, it just helps bring an awareness of it. It really is important of what we're taking into our internal environment and landscape, as well as how we're in interacting with the external environment and landscape. Yeah. Yeah. Both are so true. And I, I think it can get a little overwhelming, but I don't think it needs to. I think starting with something as simple as, you know, what you described so beautifully earlier on of just moving that little gemstone in the bracelet and just like having that amount of awareness and starting there. Um, because I think sometimes we are inundated with even just like I shopped at Trader Joe's the other day and the packaging drives me crazy there. And it's, mm -hmm. You know, it's nice. They have like some free range organic meat that I get for my partner, but I'm like, why, why is there so much packaging? And so then I'm, I'm like questioning myself and thinking about this tribe thing. And like, I'm, I was just in the woods for a week too. So I feel like my own kind of energy has, has been really expanded by that experience, but it's, I guess my point here is that if it seems really overwhelming to, this is what I tell myself is to slow it down, maybe not by um, maybe see what else you can buy or where else you can shop. And then also to really bring it home as much as possible into what's happening in my own body. Like, can I start with just writing things down like once a day to notice, to begin noticing? And then maybe I notice how I feel after I eat X, Y, or Z. And then maybe that's not a way I want to feel. So I'm able to change. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so important and you really can't be emphasized enough because day-to-day -day life puts so much stress on us and we don't need any more stress. And so I don't ever want women or people in general to feel like, oh, now there's all these things that I have to stop doing and start doing and this mm -hmm. and that. Like I'll, I'll look at things bringing in again, that cyclical awareness and perspective of like, okay, what's my, my task for this one cycle? This one cycle, my commitment to myself is during my time of bleeding, I'm going to prioritize two hours to do absolutely nothing because maybe before there was no awareness around that whatsoever. So that next time of bleeding, I'm going to spend two hours. That's just for me. I'm not going to talk to anybody. I'm going to turn off my phone and I'm just going to lay around and do nothing if that's all I want to do for those two hours and not feel guilty about it. Like mm -hmm. maybe that's all that you take on for the cycle or maybe you're like, okay, I'm going to do that and I'm going to start writing down how I feel or for this next cycle, I'm going to cut out gluten and I'm going to see how my body feels and see how my cycle responds to it. And just really small incremental changes because then you can also see the effect that these things are having in the body instead of trying to do all of these things and you don't really know what's doing what and then you find what works for you. Maybe you find that gluten isn't an issue for you, that you have no problem digesting it, that it doesn't seem to change anything. So then maybe you don't need to cut that out and it's something else that you do. Yes, I love that. Very well said simple, small steps. And yeah. And you know, when we have this, this is kind of how I practice too, is I stick with one variable, you know, because then you see, does this variable work? Does it affect change? Does it affect positive change or negative change? Interesting. Great. Let's try that for a period of time, move on to the next variable. And that works really well because you have such solid information. I love the idea too, of kind of, and this may not work for everyone, but I spoke with Kirsten Johnson, I don't know, a year ago, and she talked about this idea of running experiments on, on ourselves. And I really like this because I'm research-based and 
But I, I think that makes it kind of fun, you know, like let's try this one thing and then see what happens. And we can even take some little notes and um, I don't know, for me, that makes it a little bit more fun and it's exciting to see the changes and it gives us momentum to continue forward and be like, well, if that made me feel better or good or brought me into a little bit more balance, like what's it going to, what's going to happen if I try this next thing? And we just get to have these wonderful experiences of ourselves as we try new things. Yeah. And I think it's important to stay in the energy of curiosity and play mm. with it as much as, as possible instead of like another thing to do or feeling burdensome. Like just be curious, be curious about what's going on and what's happening and what you're observing and what you're noticing. And don't be so quick to label and identify or try and figure anything out. Just be in this like curious ongoing conversation with your experience of how it's unfolding in every single day. Yes. Yes. I love that. A curious approach is it's more fun. It's more full of wonderment, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. It feels lighter. For me, it feels lighter in my body when I let myself be curious. Definitely. Well, Cree, thank you so much for coming on. Do you have any upcoming programs or anything you'd like to pitch or any last minute advice or anything? Not last minute. I mean, we can keep talking, but just I'd like to give people a platform to share anything that they have going on or anything you feel is really important that you haven't already said that you want people to know. Yeah, so a couple of things that are coming to mind is um, kind of last few things to share. For one, when it comes to your time of bleeding, uh, a general rule of thumb that I have and an uh, invitation that I have for women, I like to view things as an invitation. Um, is if it doesn't absolutely have to be done, don't do it. Mm -hmm. And this can be in the, the deep luteal phase, like one to three days before you start bleeding, like sensitivities can be really heightened during that time. It can be an intense emotional time for a lot of women because essentially uh, an ego death is happening every single cycle. And so all of our insecurities and failures and how we're not enough and all these different things can come up. So just being gentle during that time know that it will pass and during that window and into your time of bleeding if it doesn't absolutely have to be done don't do it sometimes what will happen is because estrogen can slowly start to build when the new flow starts is women will feel a resurgence of energy however that energy is actually to be used internally for our bodies to heal and to soothe our nervous systems and it's not an externally focused, I'm going to engage and assert myself out into the world kind of energy. So letting that rise of energy, if you get it, be more internal and just, just give yourself permission. If it doesn't absolutely have to be done, don't do it. Even if it's for the next hour, if it comes down to, are you going to stand at the sink and do the dishes? Or are you going to let the dishes sit in the sink and go lay on the couch and do nothing for an hour? Um, Little things like that can go a long way, especially if you are a woman who gets heavy cramping or bleeding, like just let yourself be there's so much going on in the body at this time. And I've learned that the more I let myself rest and be in stillness as much as possible, that is the most productive thing that I can do. And it sets the course for my entire month and my entire cycle. And then I get to experience the fullness of the follicular and the ovulatory phase instead of robbing energy from that phase. So I just let myself come into this place of healing, come into my inner temple and just be okay with doing nothing. And even if you're doing things, there's an energy of being in the nothingness. Like let go of your titles, your roles, your positions, the bundle of life that we carry all day just let all of that go and, and just let yourself be. Um, that's, it's a really beautiful practice to take on. And that's what I've found the body and the womb want most during that time for a lot of women. And of course, if this doesn't resonate, then, you know, do what works for you. Um, and um, I feel like there was one more thing, but I can't think of it now. So I'll just share about um, my course that I offer um, I don't have the dates yet, but it is going to be sometime this upcoming fall, maybe a little later into the fall. Um, it's called Embody Your Flow. It's a three-month program, and it's a really deep dive into cycle tracking. So this is just like we, what we talked about today. This is just like very basic cycle tracking stuff where you can start to become more aware with what's going on in a day-to-day -day basis. 
in my course, we actually dive deep into charting. So you're taking your temperature, checking your cervical position, your cervical mucus, vulva sensations, and really paying attention to what's going on in the body. And this actually gives so much information about hormones, where they're at, the health of your cycle in general. We really pay attention into how the blood flow is showing up. We dive into what a healthy cycle looks like, um, a much deeper dive into the different phases. We go into cyclical planning uh, because, you know, it, it takes some kind of learning of like, okay, well, how do I start to plan my life more on a cyclical basis? And that goes into like how to properly plan and schedule different things into different phases of the cycle. There's just a little bit in there about self-care and boundaries. It's just kind of this like comprehensive course of what I call everything we should have learned when we first started bleeding and didn't. Ideally, in my ideal world, we have our aunties and our grandmas and our moms and all the women around us having this knowledge and talking about it to where like, ultimately, I would love if this course didn't even have to exist at some point because it was just so integrated into how we live and be. Um, but right now it's not. So I'm really grateful that I can offer this. I am also probably going to be creating a more shortened, condensed version for women who want to maybe dive deeper into the seasons and the planning, but they don't necessarily want to go into the charting aspect and component of it as well. I'm in a little bit of like a, a pause and reflect state right now, uh, but there's some things germinating and I'm just waiting until that inspired action comes through. But I also am available for one-on-one -on -one stuff if someone wants to do charting and they don't want to do the group thing, or if they even have questions, things that are coming up around their cycle, or even um, potentially like a small group of women getting together that want to get like a discount on a coaching package or something like that. That's wonderful. I, it's so, it's so needed, the work that you're doing. And I think it's It's just so very necessary. And there's a long pause because I don't really even have words for it. I, I love what you said about the idea that it just becomes so integrated because we need it so desperately. And I love the the way that you described it as everything that we should have learned, but didn't. Yeah. Um, because like, imagine when I first started reading about this about a year ago, and, and then after speaking with you today, like, I just imagine this 14 year old version of myself, like coming into all of this knowledge and information and how different that is to go through life really understanding your body and your hormones and your cycles and the power in all of it and the beauty in all of it. And it's, it's so needed. And I think the more women who are exposed to it and who are able to learn it and pass it on to their own nieces and kids and, you know, their friends, kids and whoever it's, um, it's just going to benefit all of us. So thank you yeah. so much for your work. And we'll make sure that we have Cree's links in the, uh, in the show notes for anyone who wants to, to work with her further. Great. And Thank yeah, you so much. you're welcome. Thanks so much for coming on to chat with me today. It's wonderful mm -hmm. wealth of information.